Alright lads and nusses and g'day mates, welcome to another episode of the Tune Under Podcast. Don't know why I made that sound like a pirate. Joining me today to talk about the Arsenal game that we lost and the game coming up against Norwich is Mark over in Brisbane. How are you doing Mark? Good, thank you. Very good. And we also have a welcome return to Craig up in Sweaty Cairns. How's it going Craig? I'm alright mate yourself. Smashing, thank you very much. Today we're going to be talking about the uh, Arsenal defeat uh, at the Emirates, followed by a preview of the Norwich game, which is coming up in little under a day and a half. Before we get into that, a little introduction from myself. So my name's Lee. I was born in Gateshead, um, but I actually grew up in Washington. And if you don't know where that is, it's basically in between Gateshead, where all the mint people are, and the dark place where no good ever happens. So in the middle of Washington, you normally have a split, 50-50, give or take, between the Newcastle Mags and others. And sometimes that's in between the families as well. So if you can hear a bit of a <clears throat> mongrel kind of accent going on here, that's why. Um, I also have a bit of a rough throat because, uh, as Mark will attest, we had a bit of a good time on Saturday with, with the, um, the meetup with all the two Army fans at uh, the Pig and Whistle in Brisbane, uh, a lot of shouting. My, my voice hasn't quite come back, so I do apologize about that. <clears throat> I'll do my best to get through this. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's get into part one, which is the Arsenal review. All right, so here we go with the review of the Arsenal game. So it was a 2-0 defeat down at the Emirates Stadium. Probably not a huge surprise to anybody who follows us, um, especially not against Arsenal. Um, I'm first going to go through the teams. So for Arsenal, they had Ramsdale and Goal, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, uh, Tavares, Saka, who was subbed on for Martinelli on 64 minutes, uh, Party, who was subbed for Elney on 85 minutes, Lacongo, Smith Rowe, Budengard, and Aubameyang, who was subbed for Lacazette on 76. For Newcastle, a very welcome return to Martin Dubrovka in goal. Then we had Kraft, Shaw, Lascelles, Fraser, Willock, Shelby, who was subbed for Hayden on 89 minutes. Richie, who was subbed for Almiron on 67 minutes. Joe Linton, Joe Ellington, however you want to say that, on uh, who was subbed for Murphy on 67 minutes. Wilson and Alan Saint-Maximan. So, first of all, Mark, I would like to know if you can talk about the formation of that team. Over to you. Cheers. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, I think anyone's guess is as good as anyone else's in this stage. Um, I know when we, we were at the pub and we saw the team sheet come out, it was it was up to <laughs> up to debate what we're actually going to be playing. Was it a 3-4-3? Were we playing a 4-4-2? Uh, I think other people in other avenues around the club have suggested it was a 4-4-2, but that to me is a little worrying if we end up playing um, sort of it kind of looked like Kraft was playing as a right of a back three. Um, if he was playing right back, then he was nowhere to be found at right back for most of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, if you're playing Fraser as a right wing back, that also um, doesn't quite add up. And it also means that Richie would have been playing as an out and out left back and defending isn't his strong suit. Um, and if you're taking away the fact that he can actually bomb forward, I think we're actually asking for trouble. 
Um, so yeah, the, the 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 overall defensive formation was was not overly clear. I think for most of us, one thing that um, and, and again, if we're playing four four two, it sort of comes back to well, what's happening with the St Maximin and Joe Linton and Wilson front pair uh, front three? Uh, does that now come down to Callum Wilson up on his own, which it kind of looked like for a lot of the game, but yeah, it, it, it sort of it it didn't sort of sit with any known formation that we were or known player choices within that formation for me, uh, and it was it was a very very confused lineup, and I think it kind of showed in the display from the players as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I actually saw a quote from uh, how just. Uh, uh, about 15 minutes ago, he's busy doing, or he was busy doing his uh, meet with the press. And he said that they haven't came in to the team, to the club, and ripped up everything that the team was doing before, because that would give the players too much information. We have to take things step by step, drip feeding what we want the team to deliver. Some areas are improving, others still need to. But if you ask me, nothing's uh, nothing substantially changed. I mean, that second half performance to me was was like a boost team. Through and through, I mean, it was really disappointing. And yeah. the confusion around the formation is a common theme this season, especially. For me, it was it was very confused. I think, uh, uh, as you said, it, it looked like it had Bruce written all over it. Uh, it was it was very much everyone sitting deep. We we tracked back and we'd sat deeper and deeper the the more the game went on. Yet still somehow managed to leave gaps at the back. What was actually weird though was if we if you look at the way. Um, I mean, obviously, Howe wasn't there for a lot of it. He's been off with COVID, so he hasn't had the chance to spend on the on the training ground. So mm. I was actually going through this today, and I was wondering, is, is it just because he hasn't been able to have some hands-on with the players? Is it because mm. it's been left back to, you know, um, Jones to, to kind of try and pull the players together, and, and it's kind of just being lost in translation. Uh, so yeah, it, it, is it just that how came in too late and it was a bit of a mishmash of, of information and the players didn't understand what they were doing. So yeah, mm. there's, a, there's a lot of factors there. So, I mean, it is Arsenal. We have to remember we're going away to Arsenal. We haven't won there for God knows how long. And it was never going to be an easy place to go. So I understand the slightly dif more defensive approach, but at the same time, it wasn't kind of the the radical change that I think we were all hoping to see in terms of the play style and the formations going forward with, with how. So yeah, yeah, it's it's up to anyone who who's who's basically been running the the script for for this particular game. Yeah, and and let's talk about this team. So obviously Dubravka um was what everyone we all discussed what we thought the teams were going to be before the the game and we all kind of expected Dubravka to come in. I kind of made the point that if he drops Darlow, that might just destroy his confidence altogether. Uh, keepers are kind of, they're always discussed keepers as being these kind of guys who, as soon as you drop them, that's him shot for ages. But uh, no, he brought in Dubravka, uh, so that was good. Um, but then Emil Kraft, I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but what does anybody see in Emil Kraft? Over to you, Mark. I don't understand what Emil Kraft's doing in the side over Mankio, certainly. Um, yep. So unless there's a, like some fitness issue or injury issue that we don't know about and they're trying to keep him back, I don't know. But the big thing for me is, as I said, it looked to me like there was a back three where Kraft was playing in that back three. And when the wing backs were pushing forward, it was nobody was actually moving either side to cover the gaps. 
Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Dubravka back in goal for me was was a, a no-brainer after the Brentford game. I, I, I understand the feeling of, well, Darlow's made a couple of mistakes. Do we actually drop him, ruin his confidence forever? But to me, it looked like his confidence was was just shaky because he was aware that Dubravka was standing in the wings waiting to come in anyway. Uh, and you just can't have that sort of that sort of second guessing everything he was doing on the pitch, uh, not being being frightened to come out and collect the ball. Uh, so yeah, uh, for me, Dubravka was a, was a no brainer. And what we discussed on on Saturday night as well with a few of the fans was nobody thinks twice if your top goal scorer comes fit and he's straight back in the side. So I yeah. don't understand why it's different if you've got your clear number one goalkeeper back fit. Why isn't he straight back in the side? That's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I think the rest of the team more or less picked itself. You had Charles, Lascelles, Fraser, Willock. Willock maybe a bit of a surprise against his uh, old team. Shelby, no Hayden to start with, which I thought was a bit of a surprise, actually. Richie didn't start with Almiron, which we probably could have used with the pace. Uh, Joe Linton and Wilson and then St. Maximin. So anything else standing out for you in that? Uh, I, I think... For me, Willock's performances since he's joined us uh, on his permanent deal have not quite hit the heights that we expected them to. And and saying that, I don't think anybody was expecting him to to replicate the the form that he had last season for such a young player. But to me, he looks like he's... And I I remember people last season on Twitter saying that, you know, he wasn't sort of comfortable on the ball as he should be for playing in a central midfield role. And he was really benefiting from being in that more pro- pro- progressed, sort of advanced, sort of midfield, attacking midfielder role. And to me, he kind of needs to be in that sort of just behind the striker role to get the most out of him because I don't mm-hmm. see him as a as a true box-to-box midfielder. Uh, I think he is more of an attacking midfielder to like sort of run on late to the ball or, or cross yep. over with the forwards, um, which, which kind of then gets a conundrum of if we're not playing the formation that has that player, then what does he offer? And at the moment, I'm not seeing a lot from him. Um, if we do play something, I mean, I know a lot of us have sort of bandied about the whole 4-2-3-1 formation, which would have that more attacking, um, sort of more advanced midfielder just behind um, Wilson. I think that would probably benefit him. But then you look at that and you're sort of thinking, well, that's Almiron as well. So we've now kind of end up with these players that all want to fit into the same position who do you pick? So for me, yeah, Almiron not being sort of around does does kind of like strike me as a little bit weird. Hayden, I, I, I would have thought would have been in against Arsenal just to kind of try and shore up that midfield and, and put, put himself about. But again, it's it's that, you know, we've, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of players. We've got a lot of gaps in the squad and how at the moment is trying to make make the most of, of filling those gaps with what he's got until he can sort of bring some more bodies in. Yeah. Uh, Craig, anything you want to bring in there, mate? No, I think um, Mark nailed it uh, spot on, to be honest. There's not a great deal left to cover on the formation side of things, but I wonder if maybe part of the whole thing was we're a little bit confused by what the formation was. Maybe Arsenal were the same. Maybe that was the whole idea, trying to unsettle them. They don't know what type of formation we're going to play. Clearly didn't work, obviously. But <laughs> You've got players playing out of position. Uh, we'll do a 4-3-4-3, uh, 3-5-2, three, three, uh, whatever, um, depending on whether we're attacking, defending, whichever way they're going to be. But I don't know. It was confusing. It probably unsettled a few players, uh, not knowing where they should be certain times. 
And I think the biggest uh, cover for that was probably Matt Ritchie. Mm. Um, he looked so uncomfortable in that game, not knowing where he should be, certain points of a game or whatever. But he's playing out of position, so we're kind of asking him to do anything more than that. He's playing his best, just his best isn't good enough at the minute. Fair enough. Yep. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, so I'm going to move on to the main events now in the game where we can discuss each of these as we go through. Should only be about a dozen or so. So really nothing much happened in the first 15 minutes um, until there was a lovely cross field cross from, I forget who, to Saka. And uh, he managed to run onto it, slid in, uh, and it kind of hit the, the side of his foot possibly and kind of went to the, to the wide edge of the goal so pretty close but not that close um the thing for me about that and you've just touched on it craig was that richie was caught absolutely flat-footed if you watch the video he's kind of looking around like this and he's sort of forgotten that the sack is kind of over here somewhere he's like over here and he's over here the sack is down there and he just runs behind him could have easily been a goal down 15 minutes there so the warning signs were already starting to come along and then on 19 minutes there was a Relatively comfortable Dubravka sale, I save, from uh, Odengard. It was a free kick that was given away by Willock, uh, probably about 25 uh, yards out from goal. <clears throat> um, and this is something I want to ask you, lads. I, I don't know about you, but for as long as I can remember now, what's really annoyed me about goalkeepers when they have a save that is kind of like here, is that instead of just catching the ball, they palm it away. And this was a case in point because he actually palmed the ball away, and um, but the ball was kept alive. So it didn't actually, he didn't push it out to the side. It wasn't a set piece. He didn't catch it, obviously. He kind of just pushed it to the side. The ball was kept alive. Um, and eventually we managed to clear. But there was a, an opportunity to catch there and he didn't. Is it just me or do goalkeepers not catch balls anymore? It wouldn't surprise me if it's a coaching thing these days um, and they're playing for the new balls that are lighter, they swerve in the air. So there could be that that factor in play where, you know, if they're going to catch it and it sort of dips a bit at the last minute, they're more likely to drop it, drop it at their feet, which is an easier chance to go. So they're probably taught to like, you know, they're probably told and trained to, to punch everything away as, as much as they can. But obviously you want them to be punching it way, way away or hitting it over the crossbar so they can get a, get a corner. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it, it's the only thing I can think of. Craig. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, the balls do move a lot more than what the, the used to. Uh, and every now and again, you'll see a, a howler where the keeper tries to catch it. He fumbles it, he'll either go to his side or he'll pass it back into the first row of attack and then it's a tap in. I think David De Gea has been quite uh, susceptible to them for uh, a few games uh, the last season or so. So I get it the fact he's tried to palm it away, but straight back into open play. At least try and maybe aim for, I don't know, corner flag somewhere where it nullifies the play slightly at least. But yeah. straight back in the, what, the box or wherever, not good enough. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't the first time in that game either. We'll come on to the other one uh, soon enough. Um, so moving on, 25 minutes, there was a handball claim. It's probably the first bit of excitement for Newcastle fans. Uh, so we had St. Maxi down the uh, down our left. Um, made a bit of space for himself behind uh, Tomiyasu. Got to the byline, went across. Tomiyasu were tracked with him. Uh, and as Maxi's went to kick the ball, Tomiyasu has slid in and the ball has hit his back and then hit his arm and the balls went out um, out of play. Now, I remember in the pub, the whole pub screaming like absolute crazy that that was a penalty. Well, at least Newcastle contingent was anyway. 
I'm sat there kind of shaking my head because I thought I could see straight away that it actually the, the guy wasn't even looking at the ball. Um, some fella came across and asked why there wasn't that penalty, and that's basically what I told him. Um, but what were your thoughts on that? Because there was a rule, I don't know if it's going on this season or not, but there was a rule that said even if it's accidental, if it stops the potential for a goal, then it has to be given a penalty. I don't know if they've changed that this season or what, but what do you reckon, Mark? I think that rule's kind of been brushed under the table, so to speak, or brushed under the carpet. Uh, I, I think it got a lot of um, a lot of harsh criticism, and rightly so in my book. I think it was a really stupid rule. Um, I mean, you could basically just kick the ball at somebody and it comes off their arm and they've not done anything intentional and they were giving penalties by front and centre for it. And I think it was deciding far too many games and I actually think they've dropped that rule, whether or not officially, but they're definitely not calling them as much as they used to. Yeah. Craig? Yeah, uh, same thing. I remember last season when we were um, playing Spurs away and we got that, I think, a 94th minute penalty. It was a, a long ball into the box. Andy Carroll headed it down, and it came no, off um, Dyer's hand, I think it was, and he knew nothing about it. Um, mm -hmm. Total freak accident. Yet he was given a penalty, and somehow we got a, a shit house point from another Bruce display. Um, right. But yeah, we definitely didn't deserve that. Then it was really harsh, and I think the refs now they're using a bit more common sense. Uh, he could have went to the VR to take a look at it, but his arm was in a. A natural position he couldn't have stopped it he didn't move his arm towards the ball or anything like that it was just a freak thing that happened but i don't think it was a penalty would have been harsher if it was given yeah to me to me those ones always come down to if if that was given against us yes we've all seen them given if that was given against us we'd be really pissed off Agree, yeah, you're ready, yeah. <laughs> i'm already pissed off <laughs> so we all agree that wasn't a penalty then no oh, yeah Fair enough. And on 29 minutes, Shelby uh, had a lovely curling shot from probably about 25 yards out uh, over a bunch of people. And uh, Ramsdale managed to get his fingertips to it, pushed it over the crossbar. Um, it was an in curler. So I think Shelby either had to kick with his other foot, which isn't going to happen, or kick it out wider so that it would actually swing in nearer to the post rather than nearer to, um, to the keeper. Uh, any thoughts on that shot? Yeah, um, if you watch it back from the camera view from behind Shelby, you see him take a step just to the left before he, he shoots. If he doesn't take that step, it's in the top corner. And it was obviously that just where he naturally sets himself up to shoot. But that one little step just got it too close <laughs> to Ramsdale. I mean, it was a cracking save, to be honest, because I thought it was in. I right. was already cheering and everything like that. But I think he just tipped it onto the crossbar. Um but yeah, it was it was a crack and save. But yeah, if you watch it back, let's see him take that just a step, a few inches to his left, which just puts it right in a Ramsdale's reach, which was good, but it was a cracking shot. Um, and it's something we haven't seen from Shelby for a while, to be honest. Uh, mm. Normally, when he's got his shooting boots on, he's aiming for the corner flag. Uh, but that was pretty decent, that one. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably ask about man of the match later on, but I reckon he might have been one of the candidates. In a pretty poor bunch, uh, it has to be said. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, so again, Shelby. Actually, there was I think it was a good player from Fraser down the line. Uh, ball bounces around a bit, a bit of ping pong inside the box, and then it eventually spills out to Shelby, who runs onto it and gives it a massive hug, and just goes belting straight down the ground. Um, 
and unfortunately um ramsdale's kind of watched it the whole way it doesn't actually catch it clearly it kind of spills out of his hands but nobody's chasing it down to uh to get the tap in unfortunately um and then on 40 minutes um another initial open-handed save from dubravka uh, from smith Rowe. again it keeps the ball active so the ball hasn't gone dead it's still active um and that leads to that incident where Obama Yang's basically stand at the back stick, ball spills out to him, and somehow he manages to kick it against the post rather than into the open net, um, thankfully. Uh, and that gets us through to half time, basically nil-nil. What do you reckon about that chance from Obama Yang, Mark? I still have no idea how he missed it. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that should have been buried. Um, it was a good save, but as you said, it's, an, it's another save that's kind of gone back into play as mm -hmm. opposed to being dealt with. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's fallen straight to the one guy who's got an amazing goal scoring record against us. And it's just, yeah, this is in the back of the net here. Um, and yeah, clips the, clips the side of the post and goes out for us. Um, lucky escape, I think, more than anything. Yeah, well, absolutely. I wonder if it came to him too quick. Sometimes the kind of the ball comes to him too quick and the, they can't get the feet right. Um, I'll, I'll think about it too much, you know. Um, but luckily, we, we, got, we escaped that particular moment. And like I say, went into half time at nil nil. So at nil-nil, we're thinking, okay, half the job done, right? So that's basically halfway through. We've managed to somehow keep this to nil-nil. And then we go into the second half, which was kind of a, a different performance altogether. I'm, I'm not sure if Arsenal changed the formation just to nullify a few of our threats or if our boys just got tired or if um, our formation was changed somewhat to, to lead into the second half. But, um, I mean, the first, four, the first five minutes of the second half, nothing really much happens. Um, but then on the 50th minute... Um, Saka, who's who's had a fantastic game up to this point, uh, basically pulls Richie's pants down, essentially, um, down our left flank, runs around him, takes a shot at Dubravka, who fortunately is saved. And again, that, that really highlights how Richie is, he's not a fullback. Um, no. I don't know why he keeps playing that position. Um, maybe it's just because we haven't got the personnel or Eddie Howe isn't quite sure who should be in that position. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, Jamal Lewis needs to get some time and maybe it's just that he hasn't had the game time at the moment. He, he used to be a cross-country runner or something, so I can't imagine that he's one of the un, most unfit players in our squad. Uh, for me, you've got to get him in as a proper left-back um, to, to play in that position for us. Um, playing Matt Ritchie as a wing-back is slightly different because you're kind of basing that decision on him being able to get forward and deliver the ball and get involved with the um the, the play going forward but you know in in terms of just playing it as i said if it was a back four um why matt ritchie at left back as a proper out and out left back as a defender just doesn't make any sense to me craig yeah um i think part of matt ritchie's inclusion in the squad especially in the defense side of it is he's a talker he never shuts up He's always shouting. So maybe the kind of leaning on his leadership qualities, um, maybe too much, to be honest. Because uh, Lascelles, he's not a very vocal captain from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe they're trying to get Richie to lead the line a little, which is a horrendous idea when you think about it. Um, you know, I wouldn't have a leader conga at the minute, uh, let alone a defence line. Uh, but I don't know, maybe there's just something about it. Lewis, towards the end of last season, there was a few glimpses of what he could do. Um, but I think he started very, very weak. Um, I don't know. There's, there's just something underlying in that squad. Why were two best um, sided defenders 
left back and right back aren't getting the game time. I know Dummett's out injured and he's waiting to see a specialist or whatever, but he would be my preferred choice, given the option, Dummett. I know he gets a lot of stick, but he is quite mm. solid. Um, but, you know, we'll touch on it later on, but Lewis has to come into the frame for the next game uh, due to Richie now being suspended, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, Paul Dummett, he's, uh, he's much maligned. You know, he used to, he, there was a time when he was really unreliable and then, I think Rafa must have kicked him into shape or something, and then he actually became really good. And then he got injured quite a lot. And I mean, how long has he been injured for now? It's been two, three seasons now, just off and on. He's he's hardly yeah. played a game. Can anyone remember how old he is? Because he surely must be near retirement. Oh, he's got to be um, got to be sort of thirty-ish or something. Got to be, uh, yeah. Plenty of time. Contract up in the summer as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens there then. All right, mm-hmm. well, uh, moving on. So the very next bit of action was only six minutes later, and that was the goal, unfortunately, from Saka. Again, um, really having a good goal at our fullbacks and our defence. Um, in this occasion, he played a bit of a one-two triangle with uh, one of his other guys, basically got around the defence and actually shot across the face of Dubravka. I think it went under his leg, his trailing leg. Um, all the while, the cells is out there in the middle of the park, you know, kind of waving to his mother in the... In the stands, you know, having a cup of tea, um, when he should have been really tracking back and clearing up some of that space. But that whole that whole triangle move that got around the defence was really kind of res- the responsibility of uh, Fraser. He was tight to the guy who passed to Saka, but then he kind of switched off, wandered off a little bit, turned around, realised he missed, he left this ginormous gap and hole, tried to close it down, but by then it was obviously too late, and they went and won their up. And I think you'd have to say that it was probably a fair scoreline at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say that was probably fair. I mean, I saw on I saw on social media the the pictures of Lascelles in an acre of space pointing over to the line of, of when um, when Saka was coming in, and it was just like, well, why aren't you going over there to close that space down? You're sitting there not mm-hmm. taking any responsibility. It's like, yes, we know that's your position, but there needs to be more flexibility and needs to be more awareness in that back line. And I think that's where we keep falling down is that. Everybody's kind of got their position, they've got their their role, but they don't seem to kind of slot in to cover other people when they, they get either dragged out of position or someone bombs up to try and join in on the offensive side. Nobody slides over to kind of fill that gap. And so there's always these gaps that are appearing. And then I saw the other picture when there was like a, the, the back four was like at a diagonal um, sort of from about the halfway line to the to the left back spot. And it was just, you know, you're you're just asking for trouble, leaving those sorts of gaps and that sort of uh, that sort of defensive mentality. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the Mart, uh, Martinelli goal that you're talking about there with the diagonal line. Uh, Craig, do you want to say anything about that first goal? Um, I think they got a little bit lucky with uh, the ricochet. I think it was um, Shelby and Willock who were trying to close them down on the edge of the box, but it just pinged through them. Um, but you're absolutely right about the cells. He's positioning was terrible. It looked like he was ready to start the um, beginning of uh, the YMCA or anything like that, the way he had his hands up. He's five or six strides away from pushing the player out wide, maybe getting a tackle in, putting in a block or something, anything, but, you know, just trying to claim offside. I think if you look at the other angle as well, I think Richie was playing him on by a good five or six feet anyway, so he was nowhere near being offside, so it was a crap ball from themselves, crap decision. And, but, that's what he does. He makes terrible decisions, almost Stevie Taylor bad decisions. All right, let's not say things we can't take back. Do you think um, Dubravka could have done better? 
yes, he could have maybe got up his line a little bit quicker, but maybe he was expecting Lascelles to close him down. Um, mm. Yeah, he, he definitely could have. But, I mean, you got to remember, though, uh, what, the Brock hasn't played that much football, and he didn't really play much against um, Malta. I mean, it was a 6-0 win. You wouldn't have seen much action. So he would no. have just literally been a, a spectator in that game. So maybe there's a little bit of rust there. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. So moving on from the goal, on 64 minutes, we um, had our second uh, penalty claim, if you can call it that. So on this occasion, there was a through ball to Wilson, who was running towards goal. And it was Tavares, I think, who, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, who was alongside him. And um, fair to say he got a little bit of a nudge, did Wilson. And he went down like a sack of tatties. Um, no penalty was given, obviously. And in my opinion, it wasn't a penalty either. Uh, what do you reckon, Mark? It's another one of those where we've seen them given. Um, I, you know, the, the cynic in us all as Newcastle fans would probably think if that was an Arsenal player going over, then it probably would have been given. But yeah, it, it's going to be soft. And it's another one of those where it, it could be given. But if that was given against you, you'd, you'd kind of be a little bit upset about it. So, no penalty. Uh, Craig, your thoughts? Um, nah, I don't think it was a penalty. Um, I don't think we'd even be given a free kick anywhere else on the pitch. We're just a no. classic shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder tackle. Um, nothing in it at all. Um, yeah. I think, uh, at some point, I didn't even touch on earlier, I want to be honest. I think it was in the first half where uh, Odegaard, he literally uh, wrestles a uh, share to the floor in the box. Um, it went to VAR, but they didn't even bother reviewing it. And at half-time, Ian Wright and Shearer, they both said blatant penalty, um, but nothing was given for them. So there's three potential shouts, but I think only one of them should have been. Um, Wilson did go down a little bit easy, which I'm not saying he took a dive, because there's definitely contact there. Um, but I think he still maybe could have got a shot away, even if it was just a tame one at least. Yeah, I think he went looking for that uh, dive, to be honest. It was probably the easier option than trying to kick the ball at the goal. Um, I think Eddie Howe himself said he was surprised he went down so so easy instead of taking a shot at the goal. Um, but yeah, so we all agree, wasn't a penalty, fair enough. So moving on, unfortunately, so straight from that incident, actually, uh, the goalkeeper launches it up the wing. It's Martinelli, and he's just came on for Saka. So Saka ran out of gas, I guess. And uh, he'd been brilliant all game, in fairness. Um, and the ball was lobbed from the wing into Martinelli, who had kind of managed to maneuver himself behind our defence uh, and he's watching the ball coming over the top of him from his shoulder, he's watching it the whole time, never takes his eyes off it looks down, basically side foot volleys it essentially into the goal past Dubravka's face, pretty much um, I mean it's a lovely goal if you look at it on the telly um, Richie was you know, far too deep The the it's as you mentioned before Mark, the, the formation actually at that point in defence was essentially a diagonal line going from Richie at the far back to God knows who on, on the other wing. Um, really poor. Um, but something I wanted to mention again about Dubravka, and you touched on it before there, Craig. Could he have came out of his line a bit faster? If you watch the replay, he kind of comes out and then he sort of pauses a little bit as he realises uh, Martinelli's going to get to it. But had he kept on going, it probably would have hit him rather than gone past his head. What do you reckon? Yeah, um, I, I think he was surprised the shot came early. I think he maybe was expecting Martinelli to take a touch and place it past him rather than get on. I was a half volley, I think. Um, yeah, it was it was a cracking finish. The Bravka, it was at a very savable height, which was really, really annoying. And those are the type of saves the Bravka can make with 
ease as well, to be honest. We've seen him do it many a time. Um, but again, getting back to maybe that little bit of uh, rust uh, from playing a competitive game, maybe that's a little sign of it there. Um, but yeah, it was a savable shot, but not taking anything away from uh, the the goal because it was cracking vision, uh, cracking ball watching, and then he just done what he does best, finished it uh, nicely. Uh, anything to add to that, Mark? No, that sums it up. A uh, bit of a shoddy defence, uh, but yeah, take nothing away from the strike. Really good, really good finish. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Dubravka may have come out for it, but as as uh, as Craig said, as like I mean, he, he probably wasn't expecting it to be taken quite that quickly. So he's probably kind of come out, realised, oh well, if I sort of hang back, maybe I can get get onto it. But yeah, take nothing away from a, from a really really top top class finish. Yeah, no, it was a beautiful finish. Um, so. Two, just two minutes later, so we're already 2-0 down. Two minutes later, there's an incident where Shelby and Miggy almost kind of get in each other's way, um, but Shelby manages to get a shot off uh, towards goal. Again, it's about 30 yards out. We did a lot of shooting from well outside the box, unfortunately. Uh, gets a shot away, unfortunately, again, straight into Ramsdale's hands. And then aside from that, and one more incident on the 88th minute, where the, there's a long ball all the way down the line to Martinelli again, Um and this is when Lascelles kind of introduces Martinelli to his shoulder a little bit. Um, there was a suspicion that it might have been to the face or if it was just a shoulder barge. Um, nothing's given. The crowd were up in arms, as you might imagine. As we said before, we didn't get ours against Wilson. So do you think this was just a case, Craig, of the referee evening up situation? I think, again, he made the right call. I don't think it was a case of uh, mucked up on the first, so I've got to try and balance it out with this one. It mm-hmm. Again, it was just a classic shoulder-to-shoulder challenge. Uh, Lascelles is a far bigger player than uh, Martinelli, so he's always got that physical presence. And I wouldn't want to go for a shoulder challenge with him because he's going to knock me for six. And that's basically what he's done there. But I also think, just like Wilson played on the contact earlier on, I think Martinelli played on this contact as well. Uh, he was rolling around the floor like he'd been hit by a sniper. Well, um, I mean, he is Brazilian, so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, I don't know, he, he made Mountain out of a molehill, but it was definitely not a penalty. Um, but VR did check this one, apparently, uh, mm-hmm. a lot more than what the check for the, the Wilson one. Uh, took a good two, three minutes or so. But yeah, right call. Yeah, agree. And Mark? Yeah, I think the one thing that all all we always as fans ask for is consistency with the refereeing. Um, we want consistency from game to game, but certainly within the same game. And I think that's what we got. So quite quite happy that both both of them were, were waved away. Yep, agreed. All right. Well, as I said, that was basically the end of the game. So we ended two 0 down. Another another two goals added to the goal difference, which is wonderful. Um, we had two bookings. That was Matt Ritchie and Lascelles, who now both miss Norwich. And I think there'll be a few of us who are quite happy about that, quite frankly. I mean, Ritchie was he, he was he was all over the place today. He, he's not meant to be in that position. Um, Saka had him all over the place. Um, he uh, he won't be at the next game. Lascelles, because he's the captain, probably as much as anything else, I'd imagine that he's always the kind of first name on the sheet. But I think any Newcastle fan would tell you that Lascelles hasn't really been at the races um, this season at times either. Um, Mark, what do you reckon about those suspensions? And do you think that's going to be a problem? Or do you think we've got the personnel to come in and and, uh, fill the hole? 
I think one thing we've all been asking for is where Freddy Fernandez is. And so at least now there's no excuse why we can't see him in that squad. Uh, if, if he's not, then I think we all need to start asking questions what he's done behind the scenes. I think there's some, some issues that he's, he's the mole from last season. Um, but realistically, yeah, he needs to come in. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I'm, I'm one of Lascelles' fans, not because I think he's a good player. I think he's actually not anywhere close to being our best defender. But we seem to be more organized when he's in the squad. But this season, he hasn't been at that level. And obviously, the organization isn't there either. So, you know, maybe it's time for a break. And it might might actually do him some good just to get some time out. Richie, Richie against a pacey player like Saka was never going to be even remotely in contention for, for an out-and-out out pure defensive display. Uh, but, you know, it... it now frees up that possibility where we might see Jamal Lewis come in. Um, I'm, I'm keen to see that. I think Lewis is probably going to be better going forward long term um, and is an actual left back. So, you know, why not? We'll, we'll see how they go. I'm, I'm actually not not overly disappointed. I think there are more crucial players that we could be missing that we would, we would uh, struggle to replace a lot more than those two, certainly. Yeah, I agree. I think Fernandez is uh, probably the best defender at the club right now it's it's, a, it's really strange how he's not getting a game um i still can't believe we got rid of florian lejeune but anyway uh craig what do you reckon about uh, those two yeah um i think the bookings were justified first of all there were yellow card uh, offenses um mm. so there's no arguments with that one uh yeah. richie is probably going to be the one who is the easiest to replace uh just stick a natural uh, defender in there in terms of um, Lewis, and I think Lewis will relish maybe playing against his former club as well. Um, everybody always likes to prove a point against your previous employer. And going into the central of defence, if you're working on, say, a flat back four, um, I would have Mankio on uh, the right, uh, go with uh, Sean Fernandez in the middle, and Lewis on the left. I think that is probably maybe our strongest back four um, on paper. Uh, be interesting to see how we're lining up on uh, Wednesday morning, but that's what I would go with. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Anything to add to that, Mark? No, no, I'm, I totally agree. <clears throat> yep. Cool. All right. So, uh, so the stats just very quickly at the end there. We had uh, Arsenal had 66 possession to our 34 percent. No real surprise. They had 24 shots at goal. We had nine, but they only had six on target. And uh, we had five, so kind of balanced out in the end. And there was four corners each. So that was basically the review of the game. Pretty disappointing. I think you could say that the second half was particularly disappointing. Um, I'm going to ask Mark first, who is your man of the match? Good luck. Yeah, not the easiest decision. Uh, I have to say Shelby. I thought he followed up his display against Brentford. Um, he looks like a player reborn at the moment under Howe. He seems to have had that bit of confidence injected into him. And he, and he was kind of, he was a bit of a threat all day. He did seem to like want to try and, and get that link up play. Um, I think there was a lot of players around him who really struggled, um, which probably didn't help him either. And because we ended up playing so deep, I think he was forced into a few more long balls than he probably tried against Brentford, but yeah, for me, Shelby's probably probably the the standout. Yeah, I think it'd be mine as well, Craig. Yeah, agreed. I think it's uh, Shelby across all three, uh, which is very strange to be honest, because <laughs> consistency is something we're not really used to with uh, Shelby. Uh, it's a case of maybe what one in every ten games he'll pull out a blinder, if that. 
Um, but if he can get back to doing what he does best, then we will start picking up points um, when, hopefully, he's hit the Norwich game. Uh, but, yeah, he's definitely man of the match. Uh, no complaints yep. on him. Yeah, great. So still a role for Shelby, it seems. Who would have thought? Yeah. All right, I think that will do for the end of part one. So come on back for part two when we will talk about Norwich. All right, welcome back to the second part of the Tune Under podcast, where we are going to talk about Norwich, who we are playing in about a day and a half. So that's going to be at St. James's Park. Uh, it'll be an early 5.30 a.m. kickoff on Wednesday for all the Australian-based uh, viewers, which is, of course, a 7.30 GMT kickoff back in the UK. Uh, we're going to be up against our old mate and the George's Dutch person you've ever met, Timmy Krull. And Norwich are these days managed by Dean Smith, um, who's made a quick return to management following his dismissal from Villa. Um, so Norwich started the season off really badly, kind of the same as us. Didn't get any wins, same as us. Um, but they have managed to pick up seven points in the last three games. So they got a draw at uh, the weekend against Wolves. And they won the two before that against Southampton and Brentford. So they are now second bottom. Three points clear of us on nine points. And we are, of course, rock bottom with six points and a hat full of goals from safety. We have a GD of minus 14. Leeds have a GD of minus eight. And the Canaries have a GD of minus 20. Uh, and yet are still a place above us. Eddie Howe, in his presser this morning uh, in English time, uh, said that there are hopefully no new injuries. Uh, before the Norwich game, but we have the two suspensions, Jamal Lascelles and Matt Ritchie, of course, who will be big misses. Uh, Dwight Gale may possibly be back. So, Craig, how do you reckon this game's going to go, especially with regards to the first team and those two missing players, uh, Lascelles and Ritchie? Well, I can see the game going very similar to uh, the Brentford one. Um, on the attack from the first whistle. Um, if we sit back and absorb any type of pressure, that crowd is going to get so hostile so quick. Uh, last thing we want to do is concede the first goal there uh, because that'll just wouldn't be bare thinking about uh, the ramifications from that. We have to score early. And I think the attacking, they're going to be ball uh, on the floor, no long balls over, just keep it nice and simple and just get players running with it. Uh, we've got the likes of another ex-bag there, Grant Hanley. He's some age now um, in uh, the Norwich defence. And if we can get the likes of Joe Linton, even Armouron, um, send Maxman running at him, he's going to cause errors. He's a championship defender at best. Um, I mean, we had him for a season in the championship, then give him the Southern straight away, I think, when we got promoted. Uh, I think that's basically he was rolling the squad, get my back up and away you go. I don't see uh, they've got much there. They've actually got a better defence than us, but we're scoring more goals on them. So it could be one of those games where, you know, you remember the 4-3 from a few years ago in the mm -hmm. championship, I think it was. Uh, I think 93rd minute, Dwight Gale um, scored the goal and Mitrovic nearly rips his head off at the corner flag. Uh, that was a pretty heart-pumping stuff, that one. I mean, dodgy tick, I couldn't cope too well with that. And I don't know if I could do another one of those at uh, 5.30 in the morning before I've got to go to work. 
I would take a shit house one nil win in the ninety third minute. No problem yeah. at all. I think that game um, in the championship really kind of started our season. It got got us going, didn't it? That 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 victory. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I think we need to um, just get a win. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how we do it. We cannot afford to lose this game. We have Burnley afterwards. These two games are, um, I think you said it yourself, Craig. These are probably the most important games in Newcastle's recent history. Um, we have to get. I mean, I think it's fair to say we have to get six points. Yeah. No, Two no points, three stuff. points. No good. We have to get the full six points. How much of a threat do you think Norwich have? I mean, they've obviously found the score and touch, but they're not winning by many goals. As you said, there was a 1-0, there was a 2-1. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, their, their guy, Timo Pukki, is that how you pronounce him? Timo Pukki? Pukki, yeah. Uh, he um, he likes to play against us. I, I seem to remember he um, scored one or two decent goals against us. So if he's playing, he'll be presumably a threat. And also, can we take advantage of uh, what Timmy in goal? I think so. I mean, he's definitely not the keeper he was. Um, I mean, he's got to be some age now, hasn't he? I know keepers peak later on in their, their career, but even he's got to be, what, 34, 35, I think. I think he's the same age as me, to be honest. Um so, yeah, his keepers go. He's definitely um, past his best. And they have shipped goals left, right and centre. And their defence has been a bit shocking. And even when Timmy did play for us, he was never the best at commanding um, the defence. He was yeah. never the most vocal goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And I think putting him under pressure, unless he has a blinder like he did for us against Spurs those years back, then I can only say Newcastle win. Um, I think still he holds a record for that, you know, the most saves in a game when... Uh, had that win against Spurs one though? No, it was absolutely mental. Um, <laughs> I think about um, Timmy Kroll, if I remember rightly, he's really slow getting down. So if we can kick the ball along the ground into the corners, I reckon we'll stand a better chance of scoring than if we try and get it towards his head or his hands or his shoulders or his body. Um, he's, he's just one of those keepers who just takes forever to get to the ground. Um, so maybe there's a potential to, uh, to get a goal there. Uh, Mark, do you have anything to add to that rather short preview of Norwich? I think it's just uh, it's a must-win game, as you said. It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be a convincing win. It just needs three points on the board so that we stay in touch. Um, three points that game puts us above Norwich. It's off the gra- off the bottom of the table. Um, psychologically, I think just getting that first win on the board is going to be huge for for how for the for the squad, um, just to kind of give them the confidence that they're making progress as well. I think if we lose, doesn't bear thinking about, but even a draw doesn't really do us anything any good. I think we've got to get a win. Um, we've got to get out them early, get the confidence up, get the crowd on the side, and uh, yeah, take it from there. And do you agree with Craig that we need to score first, or the crowd will turn even even this early in Eddie Howe's reign? I I don't know if they'll. I I don't think they'll turn super early unless it's a really dismal. De- if they if it's a dismal performance and they go down early, then yeah, potentially I think they'll they'll start to be a few grumbles. Um, if if they're playing well and they you know concede a like a worldy free kick or something like that, well you know I think the crowd will still get behind them. Yeah. Um, I think people are people are kind of not blaming how for the situation that we're in. Um, I haven't seen many people kind of getting on his back. I think everyone's aware of where the problem started and finished. Um, he's trying his best to put us put us on the right path. Uh, I think. It's not going to be an overnight fix. I, don't, I think we do have deficiencies in the squad. So, you know, everyone kind of needs to understand that. 
And for me, you know, if if we if we perform well, I think we've probably got enough going forward to score goals against them. Uh, we just need to take advantage of the opportunities we get. And how do you see us filling the holes with the Lascelles and Richie? I, yeah, I, I, I say Fernandez, um, shoe in to come back in, um, and you know, if we if we try and play probably Lewis at, at left back is the obvious choice, um, unless uh, Dummett's sort of showing any signs of fitness at the moment. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I think those two. Those two are literally just sort of easy names on the t on the on the team sheet. I don't think we've got a lot of other options in the squad right now. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, so a win is the most, Craig. Anything else to add to that? Um, no, just uh, that Norwich's record at St James's is terrible. Um, they've only won two games in what the last thirty appearances, I think. Then, and the last one was back in the eighty eight eighty nine season. So when I mean, if you look like our record down at uh, the Emirates. Uh, that's awful, but theirs is even worse at our place. And um, we played them quite a lot over the good few years or so, whether it be in the championship, the Premier League, or whatever. And our win record is very, very good against them. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on all the players, um, both Newcastle and Norwich State, to be honest. Um, I think a win is a lot more important for us than it is for Norwich. They may sit back and try and park the bus and be happy with a point, but we have to go for that win. It's so vital. Three points is the only result that we can think of. We can't even yeah. contemplate anything about getting a point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if they come and park the bus, we're kind of stuffed already because we're not a team that breaks down other teams who park the bus. We just we've never been particularly successful at it. Um, but anyway, let's see how it goes. Uh, Craig, you're already on the main view. So, what are your score predictions for the Norwich game? Uh, Three-one Newcastle win. Lovely. Take that, Mark. I'm going for two-one. I think Norwich will, will sit back for a bit and try and soak up pressure. So, but I think we'll probably have enough. Two-one. Uh, two-one. Yep. I will go for a. I never even thought about this. I think I will go for a one-nil Newcastle win. I think it's going to be a tight game. I don't think it'll be open, flowing football like we saw at Brentford. I think it's going to be probably what Craig says: park the bus. We're going to have to try and break them down. Might be a penalty, might be a stroke of genius, might be a deflection off an arse. I don't really care as long as it goes in. I reckon it's going to be a one -niller. Um All right. Well, that will do for the preview of Norwich. There's only a few things left to say, actually. So, first of all, happy birthday to Eddie Howe. It's his 44th, I think it is, birthday today. So, happy yep. birthday to him. Um, a quick reminder that we are going to be doing a Norwich review um, later in the week. So that'll be with Jack, Bobby, and our very own Andy Carroll lookalike, uh, Dimitri. Uh, so please tune in for that. And um, please also subscribe, uh, comment, uh, like, share us if you can, if you would, that would be great. Uh, especially if you have any questions for us, if you'd like us to ask any, uh, answer any questions that you may have. Please stick them in the comments. Uh, we have one or two that will be touched upon on uh, in the next podcast. So, yeah, please keep those coming. All that remains to be said is a goodbye from me and a goodbye from the lads. Goodbye, lads. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>